Whereas, of course, as I often point out, the most dangerous collegiate sport is... What's that? Well, if you go to a football game and someone is badly injured or killed, not even close, the answer is cheerleading. Cheerleading is, by a lot, the most yeah. dangerous collegiate sport. So dangerous. And they were nothing, right? They were no They were no pad. They were next to nothing, literally. Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval, with your host, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McIntyre. Discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Nina? What, Doc? So, I was with a friend, and we were visiting a new comic book and game store. Oh, fun. Yes, it was fun. I was condescended to by a very young man who gave us this kind of... Uh-oh. If, 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 you, if I can help you figure anything out, you just let me know... Uh, attitude and uh my friend and i he sounded like the comic book man he, he sounded a little bit like him and he looked a lot <laughs> like him uh oh. <laughs> the comic book store guy and uh my friend and i who are both in our second half century uh and have <laughs> and have been uh gaming together yes all sorts of nerd games since uh oh i would say no definitely since the very 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 beginning of the first half of the Reagan administration. Uh, so it's been over two millennia now we have been gaming. Back in the days when, when D&D came with a crayon so you could color the numbers into your dice yourself. Uh, this guy. Wow. Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> yes. So. What? Wow. Yes. Oh, the old days. The old days when I had hair. Uh, actually, I was so young I only had hair on my head. Uh, no, no beards or mustaches yet in those days. We were just little little ones. That was an image I am now going to erase, but thank yes. you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we were in this store, and it was small, so it didn't have a great selection. But mm-hmm. then, on the shelf, I saw this box for a game I'd never even heard of called Little Red Riding Hood versus Beowulf. And I had to get it. Oh, wow. Yep, right up your alley. It is right up my alley. And so I got this game and I played it with Mrs. Awesome, uh, who Mm -hmm. did not like it. Mrs. Awesome is not a board gamer. She will never play it again. Now, I like the game. I'm so sorry, Mrs. Awesome. Yes, so I like (laughs) the game. So I think it's the kind of game that if you are a board gamer, you will like. If you are a, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'll play Shoots and Ladders with the kids once a month board gamer is not for you. Okay. So this is not a kid's game. This is for the adults. Yes. I think it's for adults. It's too complicated yeah. for, for kids. And okay. the premise of the game is for some reason, little red riding hood and Beowulf are fighting each other. Now I think the main, the, the obvious reason they're fighting each other is for the pun of little red riding hood and wolf. Uh, but they have a lot of games in this series apparently. And, not all of them. In fact, most of them don't have a medieval theme. You'll have different heroes that are facing off against one another. The series is called Unmatched, and I'll get into why that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, Beowulf, and if you can play with two players, and so it's Beowulf versus Little Red Riding Hood. Or you can play with four players, where one person's Beowulf and one person's Wiglaf on his side. And on the other side, there's Little Red Riding Hood, and her companion is called the Huntsman. Right. It's a combat game. And what's interesting about this game is uh, this company that makes this game is a company called Restoration Games. And from what I understand, what Restoration Games does is they find games that were not commercially successful, but that they think maybe 
would have been commercially successful if they had just been treated differently and they thought they think are fun mm-hmm. games. And then they reskin them. That is to say, they change mm-hmm. uh, they change the theme of the game without actually changing the gameplay much. Okay. So apparently this unmatched game existed under a different name at one time. Uh, or I, I don't know if Little Red Riding Hood versus Beowulf or one of the other sets un, in the Unmatched series is the starting one. But they took this game and they decided to put on top of it the theme of Little Red Riding Hood and Beowulf. So apparently it didn't always have that. So any idea what game this was beforehand? No. Uh, I have no, no idea. Clue? I have no idea. Actually, okay. I tried about a month ago to contact unmatched games and I wasn't able to to get a response from them. Uh, so mm, okay. uh, they game companies are not super. We imagine, you know, unless you're like Milton Bradley, there isn't normally a huge corporate office, uh, especially mm, these yeah. independent game companies. Yeah. So it wasn't that surprising I couldn't get a hold of whoever is, is running this place. But anyway, and this is what is called an asymmetrical game. And okay. asymmetrical games are the hot are the hot new thing in gaming nowadays. And the way an asymmetrical game works is it's different from, from a symmetrical game where if you are playing chess, one side is black and one side is white and you all have the same kinds of pieces and you're all doing the same kinds of moves, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Monopoly, you're all playing the same board. You all have the same goal to make the most money, that kind of thing, right? But the way an asymmetrical game works is the different players will have different abilities and or different goals. Mm -hmm. So in this game, you have the same goal and that goal is basically to kill each other. But the two different characters have totally different powers. So for example, each of them has their own set of cards that they draw from. So unlike say a lot of card games where there's one set of cards like Candyland or Uno or something where everyone's drawing from the same stack. Right. Little Red Riding Hood has her own stack and Beowulf has his own stack that lead into their power. So for example, Beowulf has a card that's called Epic Poem that unlocks a power for him. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. Little Red Riding Hood has one called Stones in the Belly that unlocks a power for her. Now, are these powers balanced? They are. They are balanced, okay. but how they're balanced is in an unmatched way, which gets to the okay. other thing, which is how their powers work, because Little Red Riding Hood has a basket that Beowulf doesn't have, and this basket enables her to basically take things off the discard pile, whereas Beowulf has these rage points, and if he fails at an attack or I think takes damage, he gets rage. And anyone who's played the computer game World of Warcraft will recognize the kind of warrior rage. It works very much like that, whereas she has nothing like that. So their powers are entirely different. And so because of that, she's trying to get certain kinds of discards happening, and he's trying to win battles, but take just enough damage so that he can do more damage to her. Uh, So Mm -hmm. you end up having to have entirely different strategies based on the kind of character that you are. And so in the case of this game, I think we can see the kind of obvious metaphor here where Beowulf has rage and uh, Little Red Riding Hood is collecting things along the way, right? So there's a metaphor. So the the metaphor is on top of it, but the skin also of the metaphor gets onto the power that they have. 
Okay, so let's discuss that for just a second. Uh, what do board games tell us? What are some metaphors about board games? What are we saying when we play board games? Yeah, that's, a, I think, a really interesting question. So there are a few board games where there either is not a clear metaphor or the metaphor is really buried. So like the card game mm -hmm. Uno would be an example of that, where it's just a series of numbers uh, that interplay in mm -hmm. a certain way. Or maybe backgammon. But most games have some sort of inherent metaphor. Even your standard deck of poker cards has within it a kind of the numbers, but on top of the numbers, uh, you know, we have the jack, the queen, the king. Mm -hmm. So you have this aristocracy in the games. So no matter what card game you're playing, as long as you're using the face cards, there is a kind mm -hmm. of metaphor in there of uh, maybe political manipulation, right? Or chess. Chess has a very obvious metaphor because the pieces are shaped as the kind of thing that they're supposed to be, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But also in games that, that seem to have the metaphor in a lighter way, like checkers, when you get all the way back to the, the back of a checkers board, suddenly you can say, king me. And now the, mm -hmm. the, the checker is a king and it has a different kind of power. Mm -hmm. So some board games have a very light a light metaphor. Some have a heavier one. Monopoly is a good example of that, you know, where obviously you're trying to get a monopoly. And sometimes you can put a different metaphor on top of a game. So there's a huge industry in monopoly games, right? Where there'll be monopoly for exactly. every town. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever played any of any of those, I guess, reskinned versions of games? I have, you know, Monopoly is a huge game in my family, and one of the most recent ones we played, it was a hilarious, fun romp. Today, it's changed a lot. Like, playing pieces have changed since I was a kid in the 80s and 90s. There are different playing pieces, um, and now there are credit cards instead of just cash money. It feels different. Like, it feels, the 21st century version of Monopoly feels a lot different than the 20th century version of it you know what i mean yes exactly yeah they're saying something about the change in technology yes i think that's right and the change of the pieces too right where mm -hmm. they were much more homely yeah they're homely there's no i i think that the top hat is gone i i think like the the worn out top hat i think the car is different so then again these those pieces don't exist anymore they're much more updated now what kinds of pieces are so. in the new game just out of curiosity. I've never played the that one. Good question. Let me look that up real quick. Okay, so here it says that the Scotty Dog, the top hat, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. So this top hat still belongs. The Roadster Car, the Cat, and the Battleship Tokens will return. But the boot got the boot. And so did the Wheelbarrow and the Thimble. The three tokens will be replaced with the Tyrannosaurus Rex, a Rubber Ducky, and a penguin, the company said. I don't so, understand the metaphor of the Tyrannosaurus Rex and the penguin. I don't either, but I know for a fact that will be my next playing piece when <laughs> I play again. Well, I know this is a long digression here that has nothing to do with the medieval games, but I, I have to ask, what is your favorite piece? I played with the little dog for the longest time, probably because I was an animal lover. It was the one that fit in my hand the best. It's the one that I didn't drop. I see. The hat fell out of my hands too often and the thimble got lost. Ah. It was always the piece that got lost because, you know, we would try to stick it on our pinky finger. Always fell off and got lost. <laughs> 
My favorite was the thimble and the top hat, and I don't know why the thimble and the top hat since they're two other opposite ends. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you see what I mean. And so they've reskinned it in yeah. all sorts of other ways. Like, I think I was cleaning out one of the rooms, and I think I found that one of my kids had a Simpsons Monopoly, which was Springfield-based, yeah. if I remember right. I, I never played it. They must have played it years ago, back when The Simpsons was still something that a young person could know about. Mm-hmm. And so we have these metaphors in games. And here what's interesting to me is in this, you have something that defines the character of Beowulf, that he's defined by rage, really. Yeah. By putting him against Little Red Riding Hood rather than against, say, Bruce Lee or Robin Hood, speak of another Hood character. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of bullying aspect to this that, that's implied about him. It does, and it also seems unnecessary because I, when I think of medieval characters, I don't think of Little Red Riding Hood. I think of, like you said, Robin Hood. Yes. Little Red Riding Hood is a fairy tale. Beowulf is also a mythical creature too, but certainly not on the same playing field as as Little Red Riding Hood. It does seem strange that they did, they didn't have Grendel as the other side, but I feel like they yeah. want every character. Obvious. When I looked at the different expansion sets and the different kinds of characters they have, some of them are mm-hmm. like Greek gods, I think, and, and other characters like that. I think they yeah. want you to always feel like you're playing a hero and that you can be mm-hmm. proud of your hero and that that particular hero's power is somehow matched to who they are. And so what I find interesting about this is not the idea of throwing another skin on an old game, but rather what it says about the perception of Beowulf, that this is about a rage-filled Viking, maybe bully. Yeah, and I wonder what the original game was then. Was it about a grown man picking on a little girl? Like, what what was the impetus for reskinning this game then? I don't know, and, and, you know, as I said, there are many different... There are several different expansions of this game, and I don't know which one came first. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's also designed so that, let's say that I buy the, I don't know why I keep remembering the Bruce Lee game. If I want to take Bruce Lee, I can put Bruce Lee into this game and remove either Beowulf or Little Red Riding Hood. And and, and I could do a a totally medieval game where it's Robin Hood versus Beowulf if I own the Robin Hood game. So you you could do those things. I don't know which one came first. There might have been a whole system for Unmatched, or it might have just been one game where they thought, oh, we could do a whole bunch of different things with this. So it could have been about a, a one guy bullying another uh, a little girl, but I, I, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. Well, that got really serious and really deep for a second. So <laughs> let's, let's talk about uh, medieval games and asymmetrical games. Do you know of any asymmetrical games that existed in medieval times? Yes, in fact, I do know of one. Uh, So obviously most games are usually symmetrical. It's just easier if you only have to learn one set of rules. This is what Mm -hmm. Mrs. Awesome teaches us through her her rage points she got from being forced to play this game with me. Um, I think Mrs. Awesome is on to something. Yes, there's a Viking game called uh, Halatiful. Mm -hmm. It's also sometimes called Fox and Geese. Fox and Geese, okay. Yes, and that game was played on a board that looked a lot like a checkers board, except it didn't have corners to it. So it looked like a giant plus sign or something. And whoever Mm -hmm. played the fox had only one piece. And whoever played the geese had a bunch of pieces. I think 13, but I could be misremembering that. So whoever had the geese had a bunch of pieces. And the way the game was played was the fox, it was played almost exactly like checkers. Except one player is on the offense and the other player is on the defense. So the fox would try to jump over the geese. 
If the fox jumped mm-hmm. over a goose, the goose was captured. The geese cannot jump over the fox. And just like with checkers, you can block. Uh, having that plus signed style of board that's doesn't have the corners means that there aren't, aren't corners for the geese to go hide in. And so the mm-hmm. goal for the fox is to try to jump all of the geese and capture all of the geese. If the fox captures all of the geese, the fox wins. The player who's okay. playing the geese wants to move the geese around the board the same way with one move at a time, just like the fox can. And the goose player wins if they get to a position where they still have at least one goose piece remaining and the fox cannot make any legal moves. The fox has no one it can jump over anymore. And if the fox cannot jump over anyone anymore, uh, then what that means is the goose has won. And so they... Wow. Yeah, so one... I mean, that's a okay. very asymmetrical game, right? Totally different goals. Literally, one guy has one one piece. The other one has a whole bunch of pieces, and they're trying to do two entirely different things. And that game is called Halatiful. Um, I think that's how it's pronounced. Halatiful. Halatiful, okay. yes. That That is a very complicated way of playing not quite chess and not quite checkers. Yes, I think that's right. And in that one, also, we can see the metaphor, right? Because it's fox and yeah. geese. And it's about a fox trying to catch all the geese and the geese trying to escape from the fox. So that's another one where the me- the metaphor is right there on the surface and you can figure it out pretty quickly. It seems as though the geese would have the upper hand because there's at least 13 pieces, you say? I think it was 13, but I, I might be wrong about okay. that. But there's a lot more geese. But remember, the geese okay. cannot jump over the fox. So the more geese they, there are, the more that can be jumped over. Yeah, I'm drawing this on my wall right now, trying to picture how this is going to work. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I, I believe the fox cannot move except by jumping. So the fox has to get itself near next to a goose so it can jump. There's very few places for a goose to hide, but as the game goes on, at the beginning, it seems to me, having never played this, that it would be very mm-hmm. easy for the fox at the beginning, but as the number of geese gets less and less, uh, or fewer and fewer, I suppose, yeah, it gets more and more challenging for the fox to make sure that it's every jump will make sure it's next to a goose and that a goose oh cannot move away. I feel like this is a, a schoolyard game too. Like it feels familiar, but it feels like something that school children would play out on the playground at recess too. I have to tell you that when it you just... said, I feel like this is a schoolyard game for one moment, I thought you were going to claim that this is squid game. Uh, and I was trying <laughs> oh, to think God. like, wait, did they play this? What in squid is game? that? <laughs> what are, what, what is Gen Z doing? I don't understand. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch this just so I, I'm not making fun of something I don't understand. Yes. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to recommendations. What do you have to recommend, Doc? So I want to recommend a totally different game. Now, I like this game fine. Uh, but this game, okay. you have to play either with two players or four players. If you have three players or five players, you cannot play this game. Uh, and so the game I mm-hmm. want to recommend is a game that you actually can, I think, have up to five players, two to five players. It's asymmetrical. It has more of a fantasy mm-hmm. fairy tale setting of like little animals. And it's called Root. R-O-O-T. And it's about Root. different animal kingdoms trying to do different things in the forest and have take over the forest. So there's one animal kingdom that's like the empire uh, that is slowly losing power. There's another one that's the weaker kingdom. Uh, there's another one uh, that's trying to take power from them. There's another one that's just a sort of mm-hmm. uh, rebellion that's trying to have these rebellions. There's one that's a, a 
like a thief that's trying to steal these artifacts. It was a fun little game. Mrs. Awesome would hate it because it's super complicated because every character, <laughs> everyone's doing something different. And that then means that every game is going to be different based on how many how many different players there are. You're going to have to use a totally different strategy for three players than from two or from four or from five. But I enjoyed Root and it's asymmetrical and really, really vaguely medieval. I want to stick up for Mrs. Awesome for just a second that we've <laughs> played many video game hours with her and she is phenomenal at uh, Ark. She has found many unicorns yes. in Ark and we have found none. So that is... Mrs. Awesome that's likes games in which she can kill lots of things. Uh, that is true. She's very good at, at killing things. Yes. And in that game, at aerial murder. So, you know, if you... Yeah. I think that if she and I squared off in real life on the ground, I could easily defeat my her. My money's on her. Nah, but no, if we're in the air, if it's 3D and she can come at you from below or behind, like if we're in space floating <laughs> around, then she's she's yeah. going to be collecting my life insurance because mm-hmm, she would mm-hmm. easily defeat me in th- a 3D space. Exactly, yeah. So how about you, Nina? Do you have a recommendation? I do indeed. Back in 2020, we had an episode called A Beginner's Guide to the SCA. And that was Pop Medieval episode 16. And what what is the SCA? SCA stands for Society for Creative Anachronism. The reason why I'm recommending this is because when I think medieval games, I don't think board games. I didn't realize that there were board games back then. I think of things like jousting and crafts and the like, and we talk about that at length in this episode. So I recommend that all of our pop medievalists go back and give that episode a listen. And one day you and I will go to an SCA event and um, yes, we totally see what that's all to. about. Yes. And I yeah. should point out that that episode was based on an old blog post. I mean, very old, probably 10 years mm-hmm. or more old, I wrote. Maybe called A Beginner's Guide to the SCA or, or Beginner's View of the Outsider's View of the SCA is what it was called. Uh, we'll put a link yeah. to that in the show notes. And in there, there's a picture of my son. I don't think I identify him. Uh, but one of the many pictures is one of my son and he and some other boys are playing chess and they had a big chessboard set up with the chess pieces were, oh, quite tall. Like I'd say maybe six or eight inches tall uh, so that it was a lot more fun. And so the boys are the, they're pretty young. He might've been maybe eight years old, I'm guessing. And they're moving these giant pieces around the chessboard. Uh, I have no idea how that game turned out, but at least mm-hmm. at that SCA event, in addition to those things, they were playing chess. Well, maybe they will also include a game of fox and geese. How is it pronounced? Halatiful. 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 Okay. We'll have to look to see if that's included. And if not, we should ask. Yeah, absolutely. And if not, we could bring our own. And we and we would be the hit there we of go. the SCA by introducing them to a there new we go. game. And then now's the time to do it when <laughs> asynchronous games are hot, hot, hot. Mm-hmm. And we'd be the talk of the SCA event. Yes, in a good way this time, not a bad way like I normally am. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind when people call me sir, as in the night, but but normally it's in the case of sir, you're making a scene, or sir, Sir, you can't do that here, or sir, we're going to have to ask you to leave. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Take your weird games and get out. (laughs) All right, well, thanks for listening to my uh, nerdy talk about going to a game store and finding a medieval-themed game thing no else? that was great thank you do you have anything else for the good of the cause there Nina? yes stay tuned for my ted talk about the horrors of capitalism and uh, hungry hungry hippos 
Oh, yes, hungry, hungry hippos. Also, mm -hmm. I think you should add an addendum about diabetes among hippos as well. Exactly, yes. It's, it's no laughing matter. Yes. All right, well, <laughs> West Through Hall, Dina. West Through Hall, Doc. Pop and Evil was recorded under in the studio. The hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McNamara. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. The music is courtesy of Dr. John Jinwright. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash that's P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com slash pop video. Thank you for listening. Uh, take cards off the discard pile and use those. Her own discard pile or his discard pile? I'm, I'm blanking. Okay. I've only played the one time with Mrs. Awesome who, as stated, was not. She was really <laughs> trying to end the game near, near the end. It was too complicated yeah. for her and she found it not fun. <laughs> Thank you.